Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We're continuing with the series as we go a year through the Bible. If you haven't downloaded this app, um, the YouVersion app, and downloaded the reading plan, let me encourage you to do that. As every week, as our reading plan is, you're going to hear a sermon out of that reading plan. And we're going to be addressing some things that are unique, especially today is a unique sermon. It's something that I really believe God has spoken to me to share on. It's challenging and it's, a, it's, it's just part of what the Word of God does. It, it challenges us. But today, one, one of the, the purposes for us as a church that we've, as a staff, we talk about often, the purpose that why we exist as ministers here is to, we, as a church, we want to see the save, the, the, excuse me, we want to see, see those who are lost saved. We want to see them come to a relationship with Christ. We want to see the saved equipped through the Word of God. And we also want to encourage, to create an environment where the presence of God dwells. And so when we gather, his presence comes and his, his presence heals us and ministers to us. And so we, have, we want to see the lost saved, the saved equipped, and for people to encounter the real presence of God. Today's message is to equip you. It's to equip the saints. It's to, it's to spiritually open our eyes and equip the saints. And we're going to be looking at the account of the prophet Elijah. And we're in 1 Kings 18 and 19, and we're gonna be looking at this story. And I love Elijah. He's a prophet, he's a man, he's human. We see some of his humanity in, his, in, in the account, he's flawed. But what I also love about him, he's close to God. He's obedient to God, he's a servant, he's passionate about the word of God. He doesn't compromise. And he says and he does what God tells him to do. I like this man. This is the man I want to be. I want to do and say whatever God tells me to do and to say. Amen? And Elijah does it. But Elijah is a, as a prophet of the Old Testament order of the office. He is, he is designated by God to be the voice of God to the children of Israel, God's people. And he represents God to the nation of Israel. He is the voice of God. He is, when he speaks, he speaks as though God is speaking through him. That's why there were very harsh consequences for a false prophet back in those days. And God has enabled Elijah to proclaim his truth with authority, with boldness, with power. But here's the deal. When you are called of God to be a prophet of God, when you're called of God to be a king and priest of God, like we all are, when we're called of God to speak, but especially Elijah, when you're called to speak and deal with these things, to be a prophet, there's what comes with this role. It's called um, hazardous working conditions. The same goes for today. As we live in a world that is, that is contrary, we live in a world that's controlled by, by a, there's, a, there's other demonic forces that are opposed to God's word. We live in that world. Same goes today as a, 
is a whole Bible-believing Christian. I say whole because you have Bible-believing Christians who believe parts of the Bible, but not all of it. And they say, I'm Bible-believing. Are you whole Bible-believing? It's like, well, no, but I'm a Bible. No, you're not. If you don't believe the whole Bible, you're not a Bible-believing Christian. Amen? And so Elijah faces opposition like we will face opposition. Jesus said actually this, that opposition from those who oppose the truth of God's word is a sign that you are actually representing him well. So if you're not facing any opposition, it might mean that the enemy doesn't see you as a threat. But the enemy saw Elijah as a threat. Now, Elijah, he's walking out his calling as a prophet in a very difficult season. Like this, out of all the times of history, have you, have you ever wondered that? You ever wondered, God, why did you call me for this time in history, right? Why did you call me when everyone in the world is, should, act, they're actually nuts. They're crazy, right? Elijah is in the midst of this very chaotic season. He's walking as a prophet in in one of the darkest seasons of the nation of Israel. Now, if we go back, we've been walking through the journey. King David, a man after God's heart, has died. His son Solomon became king. He has died. The nation of Israel, at this moment, when Elijah is, is a prophet, has walked away from God. They say they're God's people, but they are not acting like God's people. Now, now we're 57 years after the death of Solomon. And there's a king on the throne, and his name is Ahab. He is the king on the throne of Israel. He's married to a really sweet woman named Jezebel. (laughs) Sorry, that was sarcastic, yes. She's a non-Jew who worships another God named Baal. And so Jezebel, has, she is a devout, committed demon worshiper. And she has influenced Ahab to do the same. And so this demonic power working through her has manipulated and controlled Ahab to, to, to turn the whole nation of Israel into Baal worshipers. They build a temple, They turn away from God's order and God's way to worship this demonic God, Baal. It's Jezebel. There's an old joke that says, you know, listen, we name our sons David and Paul. We name our dogs Goliath and Nero. We name our cats Jezebel. (laughs) That's funny. That's funny. I like cats. (laughs) Outside. (laughs) But Ahab and Jezebel, they they use their influence. So Ahab is a very powerful man. He's got resources. He's a successful businessman and and, um, financial man. He actually conquered more, true, true story, conquered more than any other king in Israel. Very powerful. But you have an Ahab spirit, you have a Jezebel spirit. You have an Ahab who, who is controlled by a Jezebel. Now a Jezebel needs an Ahab. 
and they together build a temple. They worship Baal. They appoint and create their own prophets of Baal. They replace God's prophets with a counterfeit truth and a counterfeit worship to Baal. And Baal worship is, is it's horrible. It's demonic. It's gross. It's rooted in sensuality. It involves ritual prostitution in their temple. At times to appease the, the Baal demonic gods, it would require human sacrifice, which would require your firstborn. It's funny how the enemy kind of models what God tries to do or what God does. The priests in Baal and the rituals, they would scream uncontrollably. They would jerk and buck and throw their bodies around and contort their bodies. They would beat themselves. They would cut themselves. They would mutilate their bodies all to worship Baal. And so when Elijah comes on the scene in 1 Kings 17, we don't know where he came from. He shows up. We don't know who his parents are. All we know is this, this dude has got the prophet juice all over him. Like he's got it. He's on fire. He's got the groceries. And Baal worship is at his peak. And Baal worship, now I want you to hear me today. Baal worship had worked its way into every aspect of society, into government, into education. Baal worship had defined the value of human life. Almost everything about the society of God's people, of Israel, had a demonic-influenced agenda from this demonic spirit from Baal. And this demonic spirit, the, the whole agenda behind it was to get God's people who were set aside by God to represent him in the world, who were set aside by, set aside by God to be holy, to be different, to, to worship and honor the God of Yahweh, to demonstrate to the other gods of the world, the fallen angelic beings who rebelled from God, to demonstrate this is what it means to be holy. This is what it means to be righteous. This is what it means to be God's people. And now they've been seduced to worship another God, to sacrifice their own lives, their own firstborns, to mutilate themselves to engage in lewd, detestable sexual acts because they had been deceived by these fallen angelic beings. And now instead of being set aside for God, they are now hostile to God. And this, this demonic agenda, the whole purpose is to corrupt the purpose. Now listen to me, the whole purpose of this demonic agenda is to corrupt the purpose of the image bearers of God. And so God calls Elijah to oppose this demonic religion, to oppose those who are propagating it, to oppose those who are preaching it. And so you can imagine, so just think about it for a moment. You can imagine if you are the proclaimer of truth, when a, when a belief system that is faulted and demonic its agenda, its teaching, its type of worship, it was all over the place. 
had worked its way into the heart of society, into the heart of families, and, and what they were doing they thought was actually right. What they were doing they thought was actually what they were supposed to be doing as God's people. They had been so deceived. As you can imagine, anyone who would oppose is going to get the wrath of those who have been deceived. And you're also going to get the wrath of demonic powers that is fueling this false religion through the people. You're going to, you're going to experience it. And Elijah's role as an Old Testament prophet was to proclaim God's words to God's people. Unadulterated, not changed, not positioned so that it takes, doesn't offend this group or this group or this group. His job was whatever you tell me to say, God, I'm going to say it. His job as a prophet was to bring clarity where there was confusion. His job as a prophet was to, in a particular situation, to when God would speak to him, he would communicate the message. It wasn't easy. He would stand before kings. He would stand before powerful men. He would stand before large groups of people. And you just did it because you were a man of God. The prophet would bless people on behalf of God. The prophet would appoint leadership over the nation on behalf of God, would perform miracles on behalf of God. But the prophet would also correct and call those who were deceived and deceiving others, those who were misrepresenting God's truth. He would call them to repentance and call those who were under the rule of another God. He would call them back to the God who loves them and he would call them back through repentance on behalf of God. This was his job. Now, as you can imagine, a society that has drifted from God, drifted from biblical truth, drifted from biblical reason, drifted from common sense, drifted from any morality whatsoever, in a society in which many of God's people and God's leaders have drifted with society, in a society where the last standing form of defense for, of hope or forgiveness or order or clarity or human purpose or joy or life or basic human common sense, the last standing is God's word. Being a voice that calls to that society that calls them into a loving relationship with God, that calls them that you come into that relationship through repentance. You, you come into that relationship by destroying the, the temple of your old life, of your old world. You come into that relationship with God by, by renouncing your demonic alliance with the culture and with the world, with the demonic presence. If you were that voice, how many know that's not the fastest way to grow in popularity? The opposition is real. Because those who resist the conviction of God, when you resist it, what happens is something, your heart becomes hardened, just like Pharaoh's heart. Moses would go and say, let my people go. He'd say no, says, and then his, the Lord would harden his heart because he said no to the will of God. So every time that someone resists the conviction of God, re resists the words of God, 
Their hearts are filled or or hardened. They're they're filled with rage. They're filled with hatred. And they can't take it out on God because they can't reach him. So what they do is they take it out on the messenger. And Elijah's that messenger. All of the prophets up to this point, it's been the same thing. We don't like what the prophet says. We don't like what the word of God says. Therefore, we can't kill God, so we'll kill the prophet. We can't cancel God, so we'll cancel the messenger. They did it to Jesus. They did it to the disciples. There's a pattern here. They did it to Christians in the dark ages. They did it during the Reformation. This is exactly what happened. It's the same today. It's the same today when we live in a society that are filled with victims of the enemy. They're not the enemy, but they're victims. And we live our lives in a way we speak truth from God's word that calls them to repentance. Because none of us, none of us came into the kingdom of God without repenting. It's, it's, that's just God's, that's God's manner. He says, repent. In other words, change the way you think. Just, just come into alignment with the way I think. I, I, Lord, I repent for my old life and I turn and I give my life to you. But it's the same for us as Christians when we speak the truth. Yes, the gospel that we preach is is God's word. It's loving, it's life-giving, it's transforming. It's the only real hope that anyone has. Same way for Elijah. The only hope for Israel was to repent and turn back to Yahweh. Yes, the word of God gives clarity, it gives direction, it gives purpose. Yes, the word of God, the, the gospel offers forgiveness from sin, a new life, a new identity, eternal security, a loving relationship with God, and total freedom. It's great, but if you harden your heart against it, if you harden your heart against the whole counsel of God's word, you will find yourself, now hear me today, despising and trying to kill or discredit or cancel the messenger of it. It's the truth. And many of us need to be okay with that. Many of us need to be okay that not everybody's going to like us. Jesus actually said, be careful when everyone speaks well of you. But you see Christians all the time trying to make sure everyone speaks well of them. Jesus said, be careful. The context of our passage is Jezebel, the queen of Israel. She is dominant. She is manipulative. She is controlling. She has killed God's prophets. Those not killed, the prophets not killed, are now hiding. This is a terrible time. The ministers of God, the people of God, those who want to serve God are hiding. Those who who have been deceived are worshiping a demonic God. And she has led, listen to this, this, this woman has led the people of God into idolatry, into sexual sin. She has used Ahab's success, power, money, position to do whatever she wants. And she's leveraged God's people and leveraged Ahab's position to do her will. 
And because of that, judgment has come on the land of Israel. It hasn't rained now for three years. And Elijah has had enough of all this stuff. And he calls, he tells someone, hey, I I want an audience with the king. So Elijah's kind of been skirting around this woman, Jezebel. But now he says, it's time. I want to meet with the king. So the word is sent that Elijah, the prophet of Israel, wants to meet with King Ahab. And Ahab comes out to meet Elijah. 1 Kings 18, 16 through 19, Ahab went out to meet Elijah. And when Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, listen, look, look what Ahab says. So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? The truth is this, when you stand for God's truth and God's word, you will be viewed as a troublemaker. But Elijah answers, he says, I have made no trouble for Israel. Elijah replied, you and your family are the troublemakers. You have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshiped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me on Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. This is really, really, really important. This, 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 Translation, supported by Jezebel. The actual translation is those, these, the, the prophets that eat at her table. In other words, she had created. Now this, this Jezebel had created circles and cliques and brought them into the, into the king's household, had, had given them king's food and given them and seduced them with rewards and food and the, and the, and the benefits of the king, of, of, her, of her husband. And she leveraged it and she kept them close, the prophets of Baal. She was their puppet master. This type of person controls, leverages someone one, they leverage someone with influence like Ahab, the resources, and then they create their, their own, little, own little pockets that they can control. And if you do what she wants, you get rewarded. You get to eat all the good stuff. You get, you get special treatment. You get invited to special things. You, you get to be in the, in the king's court because, well, I'm doing Jezebel's will. They're loyal to her. But in reality, she's their puppet master. This is control. This is manipulation. You see it in churches. See it in homes. This isn't a, this isn't a gender thing. This is, this is just the spirit of manipulation and control. But for this type of person, this type of spirit, the moment, the moment that you don't do what she wants and you don't do you don't do it how she wants it you're cut off no more it's the mob term you're dead to me you're done and so elijah knowing the spirit's going on elijah calls a good old fashioned shootout at the okay corral with these prophets that eat at Jezebel's table. So they gather on Mount Carmel. And there's one prophet, Elijah, and there's 850 prophets of Baal. I love the odds. 
Elijah says, how about this? He's before all of them. How about this? Let's build two altars. You build an altar. I'll let you go first. I'm a nice guy. Go ahead. You build your altar and put a sacrifice on it. And whichever God comes down and consumes the altar, that's the one true God. They're like, deal. Does that make sense? The scripture says they're like, yep, that makes sense. So they do it. So the prophets of Baal, they build their, their altar. They put their sacrifice on it. They start screaming and bucking and jerking and cutting themselves and hollering and doing their rituals and, and, all, and everything they would do to try to get Baal's attention to them. They do it from morning to about noon. And then you see the man of God. I don't know if he was snacking. I don't know if he was eating figs. I don't know if he was snapping. All I know is, is the man of God starts kind of poking some fun. He said, boy, this is interesting. And I can see they're sweating. They're like, you know, high, you know, high elevation. They're like, they're trying to they got oxygen. They keep cutting themselves. They're like, Baal, come show up. And then Elijah begins mocking them in verse 27. Maybe, maybe you should shout louder. Maybe he needs to turn his hearing aids up. For surely he is God. Or perhaps he's daydreaming. This is my favorite. Or perhaps he's, uh, he's using the toilet. I don't know. He's just got to. <laughs> perhaps he's relieving himself. Perhaps he had some bad Mexican food. I'm just saying. Bad falafel last night. I'm a, I don't know. Like he's poking fun at them. He's making a point. He's not honoring their demonic God. He's not being kind. He's not saying, you know, I, I mean, I can understand, you know, how you would worship Baal. And, and no, he's like, your God's a fool. He's nothing. He's weak, limp-wristed, weak pansy. So they try, and they try again. He said, all right, all right, my turn. Let me have a go at this. I can just imagine he's sitting down. He kind of like hops up. Okay, let me have a go at this. He walks over to an altar of the Lord that was, that was old, that they used to make sacrifices there when the nation worshiped Yahweh. And so he rebuilds it. He then takes 12 stones that represent the 12 tribes of Israel. He puts a, a bull on the, on the altar. He digs a trench around it. And then he says, hey, just for fun, let's douse this thing with water. So we're thinking, what do you mean? Yeah, let's put some water on it. I mean, Elijah, he's, he's got some chutzpah, right? I mean, he's put some water on it. So they do, they dump water on it, just soaks the wood, soaks the animal, soaks the ground. He goes, nah, do it again. Okay, they put more water on it. It's splashing all over the place. Mm, do it one more time. They do it again, and the trench is filled with water. Everything is soaked. It's, it looks like this is impossible. So Elijah prays, oh, Lord God, boom. The, the fire comes down from heaven. It licks up the water, evaporates the water, consumes the wood, melts the rocks, consumes the sacrifice. Done. Burnt hole. There you go. 
And so listen, then the people fall on their faces and declare, the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah takes all of the prophets down in the valley and he kills them. I don't know how he killed all 850. I really don't. I don't know if they killed them. I don't know. I, I don't know. But they did. He deals, he deals severely with the propagators of demonic deception over the people of God. So Ahab is, sees all of this. Ahab starts heading home. Ahab gets home. And 19.1, it says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he killed all the prophets of Baal. These prophets were her babies. They were her puppets. Now, it doesn't say, interesting, Ahab was mad. Doesn't say he was enraged. Doesn't say that he... he he was up on the mountain when everyone fell and said, the Lord, he is God. He came back and just says that he just told her what happened. He could have told her and like, obviously Yahweh is God. But he's dealing with the Jezebel and the Jezebel spirit. He doesn't lead her. She leads him. And you would have thought that the whole nation, you would have thought that Ahab would have said, no, this is Yahweh. Yahweh is God. He's more powerful. Like, like back in the, that's, that's what they did. Whoever's most powerful, we will worship. They would have come, you would have, they would have come to the conclusion, Israel as the king, Israel is going to serve Yahweh, the God of Elijah. Let's restore the altars of Israel. Let's tear down the temple of Baal. But he couldn't because he, ha he had aligned himself with the Jezebel. And so she responds. Earlier in, this, in, the, in the whole account, it was at her command the prophets of God were killed. Not at Ahab's command. And here you have 1 Kings 19.1. Right after Ahab says, hey, this is what happened. Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you have killed them, the prophets of Baal. Now there's something really interesting here because this is Elijah. We just saw his his confidence in God. We just saw his showdown at, the, at Mount Carmel. We just saw his, his even just kind of the, the poking fun at their God. 850 prophets and he's before the king and all these things. You think, man, this guy, this guy, he, he, he is not intimidated. All of a sudden he hears word that Jezebel has put a price on his head. Je Jezebel has spoken that I'm to be done. I'm to be canceled. It's over. And the next verse 
says, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. Now, Elijah gets a bad rap. They're like, oh, you pity party. But hang on a second. Or this is God revealing to us that there was a real demonic spirit that exists. See, Jezebel was the lever puller for the culture of Israel. She set the culture. She enforced the culture. She canceled who she wanted. She, she promoted who she wanted. She, it was her, it was what everything she did. She shaped it. She brought Baal in. She caused the people to worship. She caused the spirit that's in her. Seducing, manipulative, controlling spirit. And this spirit pierces the heart of Elijah. And he's like, I, 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 I'm, I, I'm freaking out. It says that he went alone into the wilderness. He was afraid. He sat down, down under a solemn broom tree and prayed. Look, look at this. Prayed that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than, no better than my ancestors who've already died. So, so listen, this spirit of Jezebel makes this prophet no longer want to be a prophet. This intimidating, controlling, man, manipulating spirit, which is alive and active today, attacks the calling of this man of God who just called down fire from heaven and causes him, I no longer want to be used of God anymore. I can't take it. It's too much. I'm scared. It intimidates him. It's a demonic attack against his heart, his emotions, and his being to cause him to question God's call and purpose on his life. And this same spirit is alive and well today. The same spirit that, wants, that wanted to intimidate, manipulate, control, and silence God's call in Elijah's life is the same spirit at work today through our culture that's seeking to intimidate, manipulate, and control you and keep you from walking in your calling as a believer. And you might think, no, 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 Jezebel's dead, Jason. You're taking, you can't take Jezebel. She's dead. She got eaten by dogs. Okay. But the, the issue is that demonic spirit that she cooperated with, Jesus mentions her in Revelation chapter 2 in the New Testament church. In Revelation, there's these letters that are written to seven churches that were New Testament churches that were established there. The gospel was preached, the church was started. And this is, a, a letter is written to a church in the city called Thyatira, and Jesus writes them a letter. And he says, hey, great, you've been good. You've, you've fed the poor, your, your deeds have been great. You've, you, you've been really active in your community. You have, you've run your, your, the, the, the food distribution well. You've taken care of the homeless. You're, obviously, I'm, I'm elaborating here. You've, you, you've, you've done very good, good, good things. Good job. But then he says this, but I have this against you. You have tolerated the woman Jezebel 
who calls herself a prophetess. In other words, she is a self-appointed authority. Usually people who walk in the spirit of, of Jezebel appoint themselves. They remind people often of their anointing and calling. Self-appointed authority. Well, I'm a, I'm a prophet. Okay. Well, I know more than you. Okay. Well, I, have a, I should have a doctorate and blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's fine. But who else says that? M nobody. Okay. Self-appointed authority, spiritual authority. And this spirit obviously didn't die with Jezebel. It has continued. What's very interesting, friends, I want you to catch this for a moment. Very interesting. It doesn't say that the church in Thyatira, doesn't say that because you taught the teachings of Jezebel. It doesn't say because you proclamated the teachings of Jezebel. It says, Jesus says, I hold this against you. You tolerated it. You didn't do anything about it when it was in your midst. You, you thought, ah, it's okay. We don't want to offend anybody. We won't preach that. Oh, it's okay. We don't, we don't want to deal with this because someone will be offended. You thought, we're just going to, we're just going to, God is love. Jesus is love. Love Jesus, Jesus is love, love Jesus, Jesus, love your neighbor, Jesus, love, Jesus, Jesus, love, 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 love. And Jesus says, you, you let that spirit, you knew it was working in your, in your teenagers. You knew it was deceiving families. You knew, you knew that culture was propagating this over and over and over to, to the people in your congregation and you did nothing about it. And I hold that against you. So how does the spirit of Jezebel influence Christians today? One of the things it does is, is it replaces the authority of scripture with the authority of culture. This was happening in Israel, Jezebel was the, she held the throttle of culture. And she manipulated people and things and the king to worship Baal and to sexual immorality. So, so here, so catch this, you have the Israelites who say, no, we're the people of God. No, we're, we, we are the people of God. We're Israelites, we're the people of God. But the problem was they worshiped another God. They still claimed to be God's people, but they worshiped another God. Same with Christians today. This is what the spirit of Jezebel does. Now, how many knows this, this brings confusion? This brings confusion in the church and Christians and believers. You have people in churches who say, we believe in the Bible and we love Jesus. 
but you listen to them teach and you watch their actions and you watch what they do and the flags they fly and, and you wait. Wait a minute, you don't believe in the Bible and you don't love Jesus. Because Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. It's interesting. Just like in Israel with Elijah, you had people who said, we are the people of God, but we don't follow God. We follow the culture created by the spirit of Jezebel. Jezebel created a new normal. She deceived people to think this is the right thing to do. What this is called today is called woke Christian theology or wokeism, or woke joke stupidism. I, I tried to do it, but I'm right. But, but, but listen, woke Christian theology means you are awakened. You are led by the awareness of the spirit of culture. That's what it means. that you now call real Christianity. So now you're led, the church and believers are led by the spirit of culture instead of by the spirit of the one true God. And it's confusing. And the spirit behind this, I believe, is the spirit that Jesus talks about in Revelation 2, the spirit of Jezebel. The spirit of Jezebel is what Jesus held against the church of Thyatira. They didn't rebuke it. They didn't expose it. They didn't resist it. You know what they did? They tolerated it. You know what they did? They played nice with it. They didn't put on the anointing of prophet, priest, and the kingship of Jesus Christ. And they tolerated it. Moms tolerated it in their families. Dads tolerated it in their homes. Oh, it's just a phase. They'll grow out of it. Oh, it's okay. God is love. And the whole time Jezebel is grinning in the corner of your family portrait. The church in Thyatira, they just, it was just let anything go. It's okay. Don't hurt anybody's feelings. Don't preach anything that would, that would cause opposition to the culture. And this usually happens in a church or with a person. Now hear me today. This, this spirit possesses and influences usually a person or a church that's more concerned about culture's opinion 
instead of God's opinion. The same spirit is active today. Now, how, how many know someone that said they were a Christian, said they believed in the Bible, that said they loved Jesus, and along the way they shifted and said, no, no, I'm still a Christian, but they're speaking about God and the Bible in almost the exact opposite of how they used to speak about them. But they're like, no, no, I'm a Christian. I'm just, I'm woke now. I see clearly now. And what's weird, this is true. What's weird is those who are woke, the parents who are woke and won't, and tolerate the spirit in their home. Churches who are woke and tolerate the spirit in their, in, in their churches. It's like they're all reading from the same manuscript. Same phrases, same explanations, same words. It's almost like they're a puppet to some demonic spirit. Same rationale, same reasoning. Well, that Bible, that, that scripture really doesn't mean this because of this and that. It's, it's weird. It's like, it's... It's like they're controlled by a demonic spirit that controls culture. And this exchange of truth for a lie, yes, it happens when people care more about what people think than what God thinks, but it also happens when a person or group of people want to, want to do sexual things that God says is not for Christians to do. And so they think, okay, what do we do? Well, let's exchange God's truth for cultural truth. And they exchange it for a lie. Usually happens when people, they have close friends or family that want to sexually do things that God says not for Christians to do. This is usually around the topic of gender, sex, marriage, and they alter the Bible to fit what culture accepts. What's behind that spirit of Jezebel? This can happen to churches, it can happen to people, and you see them lose their way, it's tragic. You see them lose all identity. They, oh, with God, when they were walking with God, it's like they, they had a security. And yeah, they wrestled maybe with their own desires. They had a security. They had a, they had a uniqueness. They had a beauty. They had a glow about them. And then all of a sudden, as they've been deceived by the spirit of, of Jezebel and culture, you find they're like, they're like a hollow shell. And they're just a robot that just repeats what everyone else repeats. They've lost their identity. They've lost their uniqueness. They've lost their anointing. They've lost their purpose. And it's tragic. You see, tolerating the spirit of Jezebel in our lives, in our churches, in our homes, in our families, it eventually leads to full-blown Baal worship. The enemy tells us, it's okay. Let your kids, it's, it's fine. You don't want them to have too much opposition, so just let them, just, uh, it's fine. We, before you know it, your precious children, family, grandchildren are worshiping 
Baal. That's where it leads. Many believers bow their knee to the God of culture. And Christians who flew the flag of allegiance to Christ and to his word, lower their flag and replace it, replace the truth of his word and replace it with, they fly other flags. Gay pride, Climate worship, critical race theory, pro-choice, any other flag. But, but listen, listen. The spirit of Jezebel hijacks the gospel and makes it something else that cannot change the hearts of men. And you got people going, I'm a Christian. but their gospel's different. There is another option. You could be Elijah. You could walk in your calling as a prophet over your life and over your family, you could. It's always available. You could be a prophet, you could be a voice of clarity, you could be a voice of truth, you could be a voice of boldness, but you have to understand you will face opposition. You cannot serve two masters. And the reality is this, the enemy has done this because it brings confusion in the church. So when, when those who don't know God talk to one Christian and says, man, the Bible is the truth. They talk to another Christian. You know what, the Bible, it's, it's metaphorical. Well then, why do we need the Bible? One Christian says, you know what? Listen, when you give your life to Jesus, he gives you a new identity and you walk out that identity in him. And the word of God tells us who we are. This Christian says, no, whoever you're born like and whatever desires you have, that's your identity. So, so then the, the person who doesn't know God goes, you're both Christians? There's nothing that's different. And that's what God's people are called to be. It's different. A light on a hill. Salt that's different. When people's lives burn out and, they, and they're hurting and they look up and they go, oh, you're different. Another way the spirit of Jezebel influences Christians today, and I'll quickly move this, is this. The spirit of Jezebel tries to manipulate, intimidate, and control spiritual authority. Jezebel in this moment had already killed the prophets. She wanted to wipe them out. Why? Because they challenged her beliefs. There's something about this demonic spirit that attacks spiritual leaders. It attacks people that God's called and attacks every believer. But it attacks the spiritual authority. We see it with Elijah. We see him go into a depression. We see him want to give up his calling. We see him say, I'll just forget it, I'll just die. It rattles him to his core. The, the spirit of Jezebel brings fear to the believer not to walk in their calling. Don't you walk in your calling. You're gonna lose your job. You're gonna lose your place. Your, 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 your family ain't gonna like you. The world won't embrace you anymore. The spirit of Jezebel threatens with a loss of your life. That's what it does. This spirit infiltrates the church 
by intimidating, by manipulating, for the purpose of getting the agenda of the church in their hands, in her hands. And it, this spirit tells pastors what they can preach, what they can't preach, tells pastors what they shouldn't say. And then, and then this spirit puts people in the congregation to send emails to you to tell you what you should preach and not preach, to tell you what you should stand for and not stand for, to tell you that you're, 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 you're demon possessed or to tell you that you're a racist or to tell you that you're this. I, 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 well, well, maybe I'll just, I'll just think, no. The spirit of Jezebel must be cut out. This spirit shifts the gospel of Jesus Christ into the gospel of social things, social justice. The problem with social justice, the social justice gospel is that it condemns you for sins you didn't commit. It doesn't offer forgiveness. It doesn't offer mercy. It doesn't show mercy. It requires punishment and payment for what you did not do. And then this spirit scoffs and laughs, and I've heard it, at pastors who preach the answer to the broken, hurting world. The, the, the answer to man's evil heart is to repent and receive the forgiveness of sins. They scoff and they laugh. They post things. Ha, this is all the pastors that say the real answer to the world is just preach the gospel. Ha. Spirit of Jezebel. The issue is in all of this that someone's got to pay for something, but the gospel says the punishment of all mankind that I deserved and you deserved and they deserved was laid upon one man and his name was Jesus. He took it all for us. That through your faith in Jesus, you don't have to pay the penalty for your sin. You can be forgiven and set free. You can get a new identity. And so when the spirit comes to you and tries to condemn you, tries to tell you you're this or that, listen, listen, you reject it. I will not tolerate that spirit. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This spirit wants to intimidate you from walking in your calling. Wants to tell you the Bible is flawed. Wants to tell you the Bible is hate speech. Wants to tell you, don't you speak the word of God. Don't do that. Because then they'll say, well, what about this? And what about that? And the Christian cowers in fear to the spirit. This spirit of Jezebel manipulates, intimidates, controls even our children, and tells you it's loving to have your pronouns on your social media. Watch it, Jason. And you say, you say this, is what, this is what we say. No, 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 no. We, we just want to be relevant. You just, you just want to be, we just want to be loving. No, you're being manipulated and intimidated and controlled by the spirit of Jezebel.
I'll say these last three things. The Christian church, or Christian intimidated, manipulated, and controlled by the spirit of Jezebel, is deceived to believe that the desires we are born with are our identity. But a believer controlled by the Lord Jesus Christ says, I need to be born again. I, I need a new nature. And once in Christ, I no longer am who I once was. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. I am free and God created me and gave me a new heart so I can live a life that's worth living according to the Bible. The church manipulated and the Christian manipulated by the spirit of Jezebel has a mantra. You can, you can come to church as you are and it's okay for you to leave as you are. A church or a Christian that's influenced by the spirit of Jezebel preaches tolerance of sin instead of the repentance from sin. A church or a Christian that's influenced by the spirit of Jezebel preaches to the longing of culture and broken humanity instead of preaching God's longing and will and heart that the lost would be found, that those dead spiritually would come back to life through their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And the person or the church that is influenced by the spirit of Jezebel is very uncomfortable right now. Because I think all of us, all of us have been influenced by the spirit. All of us have been intimidated. All of us have taken a step back. All of us have kind of cowered a little bit like Elijah. Hey, listen, we're in good company. We're the prophet of God. We're cowering. All of us. But here's the deal. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in us. That God has not given us the spirit of fear, but he's given us the spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. This is, this is not permission to be a jerk. This is permission to walk in your calling and your authority. That you hold the answer to the broken world. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he so loved the world that he sent his son to die for all of the broken, all of the hurting. And everybody is being deceived and influenced. The spirit of Jezebel wants to back you off because she can't stand the church walking in their calling because we will crush her head. That's the reality. And I believe that God's calling the church to take on the spirit of Elijah. That we would be a voice for the hurting and the broken that we would walk in authority, that we would be the only one that would stand on Mount Carmel, 850 to one, that'll work. Because it's actually 850 to two. Because God is with me. <laughs> Friends, I just really believe that, I know, I know some of our families here who have allowed their children to, to lean Jezebel's way, have allowed them to participate in Jezebel's stuff, you've allowed them to pronoun them, your, themselves up, you've allowed them to, listen, 
tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. And I'm just telling you as your pastor, as, as, as the one, as I'm just telling you, listen, listen. You've got to be sober-minded and alert. All of us have been impacted. How we view sexuality, every single one of us. There's, no, there's none of us that have escaped the reach of that influence. But it is today that I believe the Lord wants to deliver us and set us free. Here is the punishment of the church in Thyatira, the church really of the seven churches. There was this, that the worst thing that could happen in that whole passage is that Jesus would remove the lampstand from the church. The lampstand is what shines. It's what's different. It's what, it's what attracts the hurting and the broken. It's what glows of the favor and the anointing of God. It's, what, it's, it's the presence of God in the midst of the church when we're here and we worship and we're like, man, I just sense God's presence. That's, that's the lampstand that God's given us. And we each have one in our own life. And you've seen it time and time and time again. Those who continually just, just lean towards Jezebel's way, their light goes out. And they, lo they lost the glow. They lost the joy. They lost the peace. They, 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 they lost the shine. They lost the favor. They what, what happened? Their lampstand was removed. Today, we want to commit our lives. And we want to not tolerate anymore the spirit of Jezebel. If we can, let's stand to our feet. I love you. And I... My role is to be obedient, not to you, to the chief shepherd. I wanted to bring a message of encouragement during discouragement. Elijah, right? The Lord said, I want you to deal with the spirit. So I'm just going to ask you just for a moment, if you just close your eyes. And the Holy Spirit's working right now in our midst, right now. I want you to just, just right where, just ask the Lord where you have allowed this spirit of Jezebel to influence your individual life where you have tolerated her in your life and tolerated the spirit in your family. Just ask him. He's good. He'll show you. He's not condemning you. And just right where you are, just, just ask the Lord that he would cleanse you 
Cleanse your mind. Cleanse your emotions. He would deliver you from the influence of the spirit of manipulation, control, intimidation. That you would step back into your calling as a man and a woman of God. That you would stand tall. You would stand in humility. But you would stand unmovable. Some of you here are married and just remember the heads bow for a moment and you, you recognize that one of, one of your spouses but your spouse is, um, actually has been deceived. What they say is culture, what they, they have tried to discredit church, they have tried to spin every kind of spiritual leadership as somehow they're wrong or toxic or abusive or that's, that's just what they do. They've been influenced by the spirit of Jezebel. I want you to know today that you can take authority over that in your home. And you can begin to pray against that. You can begin to have conversations. You can begin to lead through the word of God. You can begin to speak over. Some of you have teenagers and young people in your home that, that have, you have allowed the spirit to shape them and guide them and You've allowed them to compromise in areas you know. You know it was just because culture said. And so you said, yes. It's time to lead by example. It's not easy. But their future is worth it. The right thing is always the right thing, regardless of the cost. Some of you, you are walking in control and manipulation in your family. You do it through rewards. You do it through money. You do it through hedging and leveraging your acceptance. Hedging and leveraging your attention. If they do what you want, you give it to them. If they don't, you keep it from them. That is, that is the spirit of Jezebel. Some of you control this, your spouse through manipulation, through emotion. Because the, the only thing that matters to the spirit of Jezebel is if she gets her way. And so everyone else lives cowering in your home, and their number one thing is not to please God, it's to please you. That's the spirit of Jezebel. Stop tolerating it in your life. Some of you have been used by this spirit in this church you have manipulated through gossip. You have been controlling. You have withheld your tithe and your offering to control and to manipulate. 
It's time to stop tolerating the spirit of Jezebel. Some of you have thought about not coming to this church anymore because because of how uncomfortable you are with even some of the things I said today that, that are directly from God's word. It's time to stop tolerating the spirit of Jezebel and for you to rebuke that spirit off of your mind and spirit and for you to begin to walk in the clarity of God's word. So, Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, if we can, just lift our hands to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we surrender our lives, our families, the families of Faith Church, and we declare what Elijah declared on Mount Carmel, the Lord, He is our God. 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 So Lord, today we pledge allegiance to you on behalf of us as a church. And I know my covering as the board, as elders, we all stand and declare from our families to our church, to our Sunday school, to our school, to everything about it, we will no longer tolerate that woman, Jezebel. And we walk with our authority and we walk with our calling, refreshed and renewed today. In Jesus' name, we all say, Amen and Amen.